Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCullough. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener. You have arrived on an auspicious day. Good choice being here with us today on this here podcast. My name is Christopher McCullough. As you heard, Master Certified Coach in my 27 or 8th year of coaching professionally. Uh, with me in studio today is our guest co-host, although you, you hang around so much it's hard to consider you a co-host. It's more like you're my, you're my very, very, very much younger nephew. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know where we were going with that. <laughs> Your was, name is... So is he going to keep this clean, or...? <laughs> that would be Alex Terranova, the voice of uh, The Dream Mason. You can find him on the web, which I understand is really popular these days, at www.thedreammason.com. What do you want the people to know about you, Mr. Five Years of Coaching? Man, I'm really excited to be back. I was gone for two weeks. It felt like forever. And January was the longest month ever. So yeah, yeah. It's the longest month of all time, but I felt like I was gone for it, and it's really nice. You know, you're living on an island, and it's nice to be back sitting here. I was excited. This is my first day back. You went to Belize. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and I worked. I worked, and I played, which was a very cool And you experience. posted about every 20 minutes on some form of social media. You know, I, I created this commitment to be a vegan for the entire year, and one of my accountability structures is to make a video every day sharing, like, what I learned that day from the experience. And sounds it's not fascinating. It's it's not. No, but okay. some people somehow seem to think that it is. Um, and people are asking me questions and, you know, but it keeps me accountable because I got to do this video every day. OK. You know? And so you're how many days? In? 30 today. What there were 31 days in January. Today's the third. So we're what? 34. This 34 people. This is why we don't ask coaches to do math. I'm just 33, saying. 33, All right. It's somewhere in there. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, and you told me when I got here that I looked thin. You do. So it's a good day, right? We're winning. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Uh, you can find out more about him by going to his podcast, which is called The Dream Mason Podcast, right here on Accomplishment Media or wherever fine podcasts It's much are more available. serious. We don't joke around at all on the podcast. I know, right? <laughs> and, and you listen to people's life story. I just don't. I Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, what I want to <laughs> let people know is the EMCC, the European Mentor and Coaches. God, forget something. There's another C in there. Uh, conference is in June in Paris, France. If you come to that, you will get to see me speak, and I will perhaps speak to you. So uh, check that out. You can go to, uh, I'll pull it up in a minute, emcc, I think, .org, but we'll figure it out. Uh, you should also go to coachfederation.org and look for your local ICF chapter as well as your local uh, regional conference, because this year being that we had the Converge Conference in the Czech Republic last year, we're going to have all... Uh, regional conferences this year, including the Midwest Regional Conference, where I will also be. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to give a talk to the Orange County, California ICF chapter, the Chicago, Illinois ICF chapter, and someplace else that, forgive me, I'm forgetting right now. Um, anything you're wanting to plug or promote or have people come out and see you? No, I am looking, I'm trying to do what you're doing. I'm following in your footsteps. I am reaching out and sending emails and, and working on getting my own speaking gigs. I just got one. It's not something that people can attend. It's a private a private business group that asked me to come speak, which was is pretty exciting. Very nice. Well, um, let's. It's enough about us, really. It's it's way too much about us. Our guest today, I, we've we've waited at least a year to to of negotiations and and high level conversations. My people speaking to her people, to get back uh, on our microphone, and I'm so delighted to welcome back the extraordinary Cheryl Richardson. You know her as an author of many books. Take time for your life, life makeovers. Back in the day, her latest book is Waking Up in Winter in Search of What Really Matters at Midlife. She's been everywhere, all over the USA Today and Good Housekeeping and O Magazine. She was a frequent guest of Oprah Winfrey. She's the team leader for the Lifestyle Makeover series on the Oprah Winfrey Show. She's uh, just extraordinary a speaker. May I tell you, as part of your introduction, may I tell you what I remember most about you, Cheryl Richardson? Sure, please. Thank you. <laughs> so I've been privileged to be with Cheryl a, a few times. Not that she, would, should, she could pick me out of a lineup, <laughs> but I've been in the room. Uh, and in 2006... I was attending one of uh, my first ICF conferences, the all when all the people came together for the conference. I want to say it was Denver. And Cheryl Richardson was the keynote, the opening keynote. And I remember you said, 
I have grown tired of the cocktail party level of conversation. I have no patience for it anymore. That's how you started. I was like, I am, I am following this woman. I'm listening to every word she says. I'm reading every word she writes. <laughs> then recent, more recently, I think uh, I want to say two years ago, um, I was with you in a room, a much smaller room, 200 master level coaches, and our good friend Patrick Williams stood up and shared mm-hmm. about his recent sudden loss of his wife. And he broke down and said something through sobbing hands of, of or sobbing tears of something like, I just don't know what to do. And you, with absolute compassion from the front of the room, faced with this incredible display of humanity, said, and I'm, I'm, I may be misquoting you here, but it's some, some version of, I think that's how it works. I think when we suffer a tremendous, tragic, sudden, heartbreaking loss, we don't know where mm-hmm. we are or how it is. And mm-hmm. the journey will be to find your way and find your way mm-hmm. back to you or to the next level of you. Mm-hmm. So brilliant. Mm-hmm. So heartfelt. It's a delight to welcome you back to our microphone, Cheryl well, Richardson. Thank you, Christopher. It's really wonderful to be here. And hello to you too, Alex. And, um, and you know, it's so funny. When you were talking, I was thinking back. I mean, just even before, as you were introducing me early on, I was thinking back to some of the the ICF conferences I've spoken at many years ago, and um, I don't remember. I don't remember starting my talk with that. Although I'm not surprised. I mean, that's something <laughs> I've felt for a long time. That um, it's part of why I love coaching so much. I really, especially at this time in my life, I don't really have a lot of patience for the cocktail level of life, unless you know there's a need for playfulness and joking. Like we were, you know, I, I, I love your sense of humor. I think it's terrific and. Um, but for the most part, I'm interested in deeper, more important conversations. And I think that's what coaching is, right? At, at its highest level, it is making a safe place for people to tell the truth about what's going on in their lives. And that, that beautiful experience with Patrick Williams, which, you know, I will remember forever in that moment you know, it was one human being connecting to another human being. It wasn't a coach. It wasn't a speaker connecting to another coach in the audience. It was a human being who knew what loss feels like, um, but not his loss. And, um, and I remember having the experience of um, something that hopefully we're fortunate enough to have the experience of in coaching more and more as we invest in our own growth. And that is just this beautiful connection of love between myself and him, you know, because really, and Thomas Leonard said this to me many years ago, 30 years ago, probably he said, you know, coaching at its highest form is just truly loving people. And um, in that moment when Patrick talked about the loss of his wife, I mean, he started out talking about how he was trying to figure out what was next for him. Right. And how he wanted to take his business to another level and, and I could just sense that there was some kind of strong energy behind that, like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And then when he told me that he had lost his wife, just, I think, I don't know, not even six months prior or something, or, and right. it was sudden, you know, that's when I was just, whoa, let's stop. Let's take a deep breath and let's just take that in. I mean, I had to take it in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, my goal my intention in that moment as a coach is to just be really, really present for him, present in that moment to create that safe space for him to be present with his own grief, which he was desperately trying to avoid. Uh, understandably, we don't as do we grief do, right? very well. Yeah, we just don't, we don't know how to do grief well in this country. We, have, we don't have a lot of role models for that. It's get on to the next thing. But if you can really hold somebody in that space and allow them to be there and encourage them to stay there, what happens is exactly what you said. We end up connecting with um, a, a more authentic version of who we are. I mean, a, a more authentic us. And we connect more deeply with who we are um, on a soul level. And then we start to make choices and decisions from that place. And that's a really cool thing to do. It was beautiful. It was an amazing master level uh, demonstration of coaching. Yes, Alex. Yeah. You, you just shared, you know, we don't have the role models for how to deal and and handle grief is there 
what would be the role? Like, what? How do we look for that? You know, people listening. We live in a world right now that I think people grieve a lot, are grieving a lot of things all the time. Yeah. So not knowing how to do that, not having the you know the training, not getting it in our childhood or whatever. How do we learn it? Mm-hmm. Well, um, first, like anything, awareness is a huge um, step in the right direction. Right. Just noticing. Um, noticing what happens when you slow down, slow down long enough to feel your life. I mean, most people nowadays live from the neck up. We're running on adrenaline. I've been mm-hmm. saying this for years, by the way. So nothing has changed, just except that that adrenaline is really amped up. It's a chronic state for most people. And when we're in a state of fight or flight, which our news media encourages every single day, um, then we're fight, flight, or freeze, by the way, we're constantly living from the neck up. So we're not connected to how we feel. And really, the first step is taking some time to just slow down and really connect with how we feel. My experience with people when I'm doing, I mean, I don't, I don't do any formal coaching, you know, I don't have a practice anymore. But when I'm working with people in a workshop setting or a retreat setting, my experience is that if you can get people to slow down long enough, they off the first emotion they get connected to is sadness, mm. and um, there's a and that sense of grief for the life that they're not living or the life that they miss, or the experiences that they miss, the people that they miss. And so, I think that there's that practice of beco- uh, coming home to oneself and being more connected. And then on a practical level, there are some wonderful books about grief and loss. I remember years ago when I lost somebody close to me, there was a little book called How to Survive the Loss of a Love. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful and heartbreaking and so helpful to me. And two years ago, two and a half years ago, when I lost my little cat suddenly, who was like a little child to me, I was devastated. And somebody recommended this beautiful book called um, The Wild Edge of Sorrow, uh, which is a gorgeous title. The Wild Edge of Sorrow, and um, the gentleman who wrote that book, I don't, I apologize, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but you can find it on Amazon, clearly had a lot of experience leading people through the grief process. And I think as coaches, it's so important, you know, we're not therapists, we're coaches, right? So obviously, if I'm dealing with someone like Patrick, let's say if he were a client of mine, I would have recommended some of these books to him, some tools to him, but I absolutely would have gotten him into therapy with a grief counselor. um, And I would have talked to him about going to therapy every single week, not just once a month, not Mm -hmm. a spiritual healer, not an energy person, a a therapist, specifically uh, somebody who specializes in dealing with grief and loss. And, um, and so As a coach, you know, this is why I think it's so important that we be, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I think it's very important that we be well educated in some of the common life scenarios and grief is one of them. So for coaches to even read the book, like The Wild Edge of Sorrow, you know, a chapter a night or a chapter a week, um, or surviving the loss of a love, these tools that we mass like I've got a huge toolbox now at this point in my life having coached for so many years and I can reach in very quickly and pull out a resource for a client who's in trouble or who needs support um and I think I think Alex that that's some of what we can do is you know really look at Elizabeth Kubler-Ross I mean I started out studying her 30 years ago uh, on death and dying you know the I had somebody I was sort of ushering through the death process and was with them when they died. And her work was incredibly helpful mm-hmm. in getting me to understand what it was like to, to face the notion of loss, right? So being wanna, educated is really important. It is. And I love that notion because there's everything, right? Everything from um, adultery or cheating to, um, you know, relationship stuff, as well as to this sort of grief. If you don't mind, I'll throw in a couple of other notes. The Wild Edge of Sorrow, the author is Francis Weller. Thank you. That's right. Francis Weller. Yep. And uh, a book that I revisit every few years or so is Unattended Sorrow. Mm. Very useful for getting in touch with, as you say, the thing we avoid the most, our own sadness and grief. And then um, what about you? Anything for you, Alex? And terms of grief or i mean i'm thinking about it like as i was listening i was relating to it on a personal Mm -hmm. level and Mm -hmm. thinking about you know as somebody who really just started to feel their feelings i want to say only a year or two ago 
And now, and the more I embrace it, the more powerful they show up. And I, as I shared before, I was in Belize and there was a moment where I was in Belize and my, my good friend, who's also a coach was with me. And there was a moment in the trip where my, you know, ego just totally hijacked me in a moment and got me really scared about something. And that's something I was projecting on somebody else about me. And in the moment, I realized it wasn't even about them. It was about the the sadness that I had in my relationship for myself. Mm-hmm. And it was it was probably one of the first times I just sat and just sat in the, like tears are still new for me, in, like in the spectrum of my life, and just sat there kind of crying with that grief and sadness for my myself and my relationship with myself and my friend just sat there with me. Mm, Um, You know, that's so beautiful, Alex. And, you know, it gives me such comfort to hear people like you who are coaching, who are doing that work yourself and who are brave enough to talk about that work because, you know, the investment we make in our own growth, in our own evolution, in the recognition that we are souls and that our ego is the constructed personality that um, has carried us through life and we need it. There's nothing wrong with it, but we don't want it running the show. And um, so, so much of the growth and the connection with our feelings is recognizing that, oh, I am not my personality. I'm a soul. The personality is my servant. And me as the soul, the, 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 the true essence of me, which is what you're talking about, when we connect with that part, it can bring up a lot of tears. And course, Alex, there's nothing like going vegan to also bring up tears, by the way, because, you know, diets don't disappear. I, I mean, diets don't, you can't, what, there's, oh, there's a, you can't, um, the reason diets don't work is because, you know, feelings don't disappear with a food plan, mm. right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. we've got to recognize that, I mean, one of the ways that so many of us consciously and unconsciously keep ourselves from our feelings is by consumption, right? Shopping, eating, drug taking, alcohol, television watching, social media, all of that stuff keeps us from connecting with ourselves on a deeper level. And listen, the world's in a crappy place right now. So there's a lot of reason to want to run and hide. I have a lot of empathy for both myself and everybody else. Um, But the key to healing on a personal level and a global level is exactly the work that you're doing, Alex. And It's important also to make that connection between, oh, I've really altered the way I eat. And that's going to bring up, that's going to make space for feelings. And um, and the other thing I wanted to say, thank you for saying what you did, Alex, because there's another tool, another book that I have used, I swear, from the beginning of time. And I'm rereading it right now because I'm using it with a group of, um, a group, uh, the leadership team of a nonprofit that I'm coaching. And, um, it's called Growing Yourself Back Up by John Lee. Mm. And um, Alex, I would totally write that down. I mean, Christopher, of course, you too. It, it's a must read for any coach. And it's all about emotional regression. How, when we get our buttons pushed, we regress to an earlier state. And we're no longer an adult in that moment. We're a 10-year-old child. We're the age, wherever that wound maybe occurred or began or happened again at some point in our lives. And it's a thin little paperback book. Um, I have, you know, I don't, I'm the only coaching I do these days is pro bono. And I coach some organizations and leaders whose work I I feel is really changing the world. And now it's one of the books that I just, I require that everybody read because it helps you to be a good human being. And it helps you, especially Alex, to be really loving to yourself Mm -hmm. when you get triggered and you're in an emotionally regressed state, which happens to all of us, by the way. I mean, think about it. All you have to do is watch television. You'll see it happen (laughs) where somebody looks like an adult and they're supposed to be an adult, but there's really a 12-year-old running the show or a five-year-old running the show, right? And this book um, really explains emotional regression. It's a tool every coach should have in their toolbox as well. It's also, uh, yeah, I loved it in, I think one of the things I got out of it is I, with my current, I teasingly call her my current wife, she's my only ever <laughs> wife, um, uh, that 
I've let her know, hey, essentially, when we're in an argument or when I get my buttons pushed, I'm you're dealing with a five year old, so right. you know, mm-hmm. don't don't try and negotiate with or, or right. with terrorists. Just um, just you know, either give me space or a hug, and and hope that sooner or later the adult shows back up. Yeah, One and of- please don't tell you that you're a five year old, <laughs> right? <laughs> don't tell me in that moment. I think you're emotionally regressed. What is not that? a good thing to do <laughs> in the whole history of calm down? Cal- nobody's ever calmed down by being told to calm down. I, love I know that. we just keep redecorating hell over and over and over again. It's kind of crazy. That's what my husband and I will say to each other now. Like when we're in the, I mean, this is the beauty of being married for so long and both of us doing a lot of work ourselves individually mm. is we can be in the middle of one of those crazy fights and, um, and you know, one of us can stop and go, okay, do you want to keep redecorating hell or should we just kind of take a break and move on? It's like, yeah, let's just take a break. Oh my God! So, we just found out that Cheryl Richardson fights with her spouse. I love oh this. Oh my gosh! Of course. You know yeah, you need to on. take time for your life. You should maybe get a life makeover. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? Every single book. I. I mean, people who follow me know right. I write about what I'm learning in the moment. I mean, <laughs> when you look at waking up in winter, that is a whole example of, um, which Christopher. That will be a book that, you know, someone like yourself who's been around for a long mm-hmm. time. You know, it, it's an example of me sort of spilling my guts on the page and saying, this is what happens when you enter midlife and you've had a big career, and um, but you're looking for something deeper and you're really scared about it and uh, you have no idea where you're going and you're clueless, even though you've helped people to get clues. And, you know, I've, I've just been teaching from my own experience from the very, very beginning. I am so grateful to it to you for that as well. Uh, you know, at the reason that I'm remembering your 2006 intros, you know, to that talk is because it resonated so deeply. And the same is true, I believe, every time I've seen you speak and, and every time I've read your words. I'm, um, I want to talk about that a little bit, though, because a lot of us have, have a different hair color than we were born with. And mm-hmm. we've gotten to the point where, I, uh, specifically you, but I've privileged to talk to a lot of coaches and creators that are in the same place, you've got a sizable body of work behind mm-hmm. you. And I'd love for you to speak and share with us not only the some of the challenges of that, like people, you know, like I just teasingly did, sort of bringing up the stuff that you, you know, were famous for in another decade, as we say, but also what's it like when you're considering what's next? Isn't there additional weight or, you know, oh my gosh, what if I'm really bad at the next thing? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a very good question. I knew about, so let's see, Waking Up in Winter came out about a year ago, and um, but I had been working on it for two years prior to that. It's a memoir in journal form, and um, I've been editing an old journal that was truly a journal. And I knew back then that, um, that things that I was changing and that my work was going to be changing, that my presence in the world was going to be changing. I guess that's the better way to say it because it wasn't just my work. It felt like it was everything. And I remember, um, you know, it was really a scary thought, Christopher, because, you know, listen, I lived a life that many people say would love to have, including me when I started, right. You know, writing books and speaking to thousands of people and being on television and, um, it was a big life and it was a big public life. And, um, but I knew that things had to change. I've always been first and foremost, I value learning and I've been a lifelong learner and, and I'm committed to growth and evolution. It's like, I can't just sit still from a, you know, a, a learning standpoint. And I remember I was sitting in my office with a friend of mine who's a veterinarian and, um, I was saying to him, you know, I'm starting to kind of get this sense that, I'm going to be moving on from some of these big keynote speeches and, you know, uh, media interviews and stuff like that. And I'm really like, you know, who gives that up? Right. right. Like that's, I'm doing what everybody wants. And, and he said something to me that was so wise and helpful. I don't know if it will mean anything to you, but it really hit me. He said, you know, Cheryl, the reality is when you've done something for 20 years and you've mastered it, it's actually time to move on if you want to grow. Mm. And it really stayed with me. And so I would say that, and this is important, Christopher, instead of focusing on what was next, my focus, and this is a lot of what I write about in Waking Up in Winter, or what you experience as you go through this journal, is um, I focused on just creating space in my life. And Alex, 
trying to live my life from a more soulful place than an ego place. Because, you know, the ego loves mm. the, the television interviews and being on stage. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a way in which when I'm on stage in front of 3,000 people and I'm having a great time and I'm teaching and I'm, and I'm telling stories, there are times where I feel like a direct connection to the divine and it's beautiful and I love it. And I miss that, like, you know, but I've had to find it in other ways. And, and I still do it every now and then, but not wait, you know, nowhere near as much. And I really wanted to focus on Cheryl as a soul running her life instead of Cheryl as a personality and as a, um, a writer and a teacher running her life. And so um, it wasn't, that's what was next for me was just making space and sitting with the discomfort of not knowing what's next, which is really hard. And I'm here to tell you that the longer you can sit with not knowing and just focus on creating space, the better what's next is. I have no doubt about that. I mean, I've seen it in my client's life, but I've seen it in my own life now from a very different perspective as a, you know, a midlife woman. And so um, it's, it's, it's funny, I'm about to launch a new website finally after like 15 years. I mean, it's so ridiculously overdue, long overdue. And what I did when I started to re revamp the website, instead of, you know, the, the designer said to me, so who do you want to attract? And, you know, mm -hmm. what are you trying to promote? I said, I don't, I'm not trying to promote anything. And I'm not trying to attract anything. I just want people to know, here's who I am at this time in my life. And here's the things that I'm working on that are important to me. And, um, what it ended up doing is it became really symbolic, Christopher, because I started to revisit my life and to thank and bless the experiences that I had, acknowledging that I was moving on to a, to a next stage. And um, so the six or eight months of designing this thing and taking things away and, you know, just completely doing it, you know, having this, this creative project I just wrote a blog about it this week. This creative project became symbolic for how I was editing my life. And um, I think that that's some of what we do. You know, you've been coaching a long time, Christopher. And so as you grow and evolve, you know, the questions to be asking yourself are, what no longer serves me? You know, what no longer gives me energy? Um, who no longer gives me energy? Uh, am I working with ideal clients? Because those are the clients you're going to do your best coaching with. Who can I share my legacy with, as you're doing with Alex so beautifully? Um, you know, how can I spend more and more of my time focused on um, focused on what really matters? And um, and that's and uh, it's interesting to me to see what life is bringing me. Again, Thomas Leonard said to me many many years ago, Cheryl, forget about um, figuring out. At some point in life, he said, you will, you'll be able to stop trying to figure out what's next and let what's next find you. Mm. And that's really wise. And that's really what's happening to me at this time in my life. If you don't mind, I'll spend a few more minutes here. One of the things I'm noticing, so I'm just celebrating my 20th year of my current business, my current ventures, my current everything, including I think mm -hmm. we've been doing this podcast for 18 years. And what I notice wow. is, you know, the flavor's out of the gum, Right. I'm just, yes, I'm yeah. just, uh, you know, kind of going through the motions and I'm setting my goals for the year and they're very similar to the goals the last year and the year before. And mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'm over it. And I've yeah. been doing some of my own work, you know, with a therapist and as, as well as my coaches. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I'm noticing is that I'm trying to, what I'm noticing from what you're sharing is that I'm really trying to get to that next thing exactly as you warned us yes. not to, right? I'm That's like, right. Yeah. oh, I was very eager when I started this thing, and now I want to get that eagerness back. And I, I'm just not there. So this yeah. permission. You know, you know, let me just say that um, <laughs> if we were sitting with each other, I would hold your hand and I Aww. would say, listen, I would say, I, I really, um, I can remember a period of time where I was like, Where's that excitement that I used to have? Yes. Where's that, you know, commitment, those intentions, that ability to like put a goal on paper and make shit happen because I did that a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I was really good at that and it stopped working. And um, I wish that I had had somebody who I could have turned to who could have said to me, sweetheart, that's because you're entering a different stage of your life. It's a sort of a wisdom year, the wisdom years where... Um, 
Now, if you truly focus on releasing what no longer works for you in your life, like if you make that the goal, and by the way, I'm talking about even going through your home, going through your office, pairing, you know, editing. What don't I absolutely love or need? Get rid of it. Share, share the wealth with somebody else. You know, if I take a look at all of my clients, um, which I did over the years, you know, progressively list all my clients. Who are the clients that I'm excited to get on the phone with or to, to meet? Who are the people that give me energy that I'm inspired to support? And who are the people that are kind of like, eh, okay, you know, I mean, I love them and we've been together a long time, but I'm not feeling it anymore. Those clients are perfect A clients for somebody else. Yes. And um, same thing with speaking. You know, Alex, you talked about wanting to build your speaking career. Well, in the beginning, I spoke everywhere they'd let me open my mouth. And I didn't <laughs> care whether they paid me or not. Like I wanted to get comfortable and really good at speaking because when you're really good, speeches will find you. And then, you know, then you reach a point now where it's like, I'll get, you know, an email for, I was invited to speak at a major women's conference and, um, and there were a lot of heavy hitters there. And I, my first reaction was, yes, I'm going to say yes, but I've learned. Take a deep breath and sleep on every major decision. Mm. And the next morning when I got up, I thought, you know, I just don't want to get on an airplane and go to San Francisco and be in a hotel room and, you know, hang out there for a few days and be back in that, you know, just the craziness of it just wasn't where I was at. Now that, that doesn't mean I'll never do that again. Who knows? I mean, you remain open, but you've got to stop and begin to really check in with, does this give me energy or does it fall flat or take energy? If it falls flat or takes energy, then it's probably time to move on from that because here's what I promise you. Now I stake my life on this because I've been coaching a long time and I've seen it happen. There are amazing, amazing opportunities and experiences just waiting in the wings, far beyond what you can imagine. And I'm not talking about, you know, stardom and millions of dollars. It could be, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about experiences your soul is meant to have, but it, you can't have them if you don't have the space for them. And so I'm really curious, like I'm watching my life unfold right now and seeing where life is taking me. And I'm kind of excited about, hmm, I wonder what's going to be next. Like, I, I wonder, it's kind of like, it's this, it's this gentle wondering. There's no angst behind it. There's no, no assertiveness behind it it's, or ambition behind it. It's just, wow, I wonder where life's going to take me today. And I wonder where life's going to take me this year. And I wonder where I'll be in five years. It'd be interesting to see. I'm just going to keep showing up for life. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. It feels like the right point to segue to self-care on. Well, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? Have I, I just want to touch for like the younger, you know, the younger generation yes. of coaches, people at the beginning. I, Christopher mentioned I'm in my fifth year and I had this just intuitive hit this year that it's time to basically do what you guys are talking about. Like I could keep hustling and growing, but I don't want to do like, I already know it's burning me out. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I had this commitment that really came to me that was like, I want to be five times more and do five times less and create five times the results. <laughs> and what I can share from that in this, in the first month of January is it's terrifying because my ego tells me that people like you, you know, you two who have mm-hmm. these long, very successful careers, well, they have that, the foundation set, they can, they can lean back and let it evolve. But somebody at the beginning, I got to hustle. I have to grind. I have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can't trust that it will just show up. Now I'm practicing it, but I'm, is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's what I'd say, Alex. Um, first of all, you're not just beginning anymore. You've been doing this for five years. So you're a little bit further along than that. And I think it's really important to own that. Mm. Right. Number one. Number two, what I love about the young people, younger generations, love, 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 is they are actually making their self-care more of a priority than we did, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Baby boomers, we grew up, you know, during that time where you just push, push, you push through everything. And honestly, it's a big, it's a big part of why we have the crappy mess that we have in the world today. So I'm thrilled that the younger generations are interested in a more balanced life and are setting boundaries and get the difference between being and doing. You know, I don't know if you've read, did you read the, um, Alex, this would be really good for you, The Surrender Experiment by Michael. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah, it's great. Did you read it? Yes. Okay, good. So he's a beautiful example. Here's a young man, you know, who, uh, Michael Singer, who starts out, you know, meditation was his primary activity, right? I mean, that's really all he was doing early on. And he essentially, without realizing it, was allowing life to lead him. And, you know, what ends up happening, he winds up with a billion-dollar software company many years later. Um, he made the practice of being his priority. And I think that um, people like that, Alex, can be inspirational to people like you because it does require trust and faith. And it does require, this is really important, it requires standing up to the voices of the ego that say, everybody's getting ahead of you, Alex. Mm. You're falling behind. You know, um, you're becoming irrelevant. I mean, listen, I still have those voices. Christopher, I'm sure you have those voices. I mean, yep. it's just a normal part of life. Um, the question is, who's going to run the show, Alex? Is your mind, which is those voices, your servant or your master? And when those voices take hold, and they will, because it's sort of like the cosmic tribe trying to pull you back into Mm -hmm. the, you know, do, do, do. When those voices take hold, your job is to sit your ass in a chair quietly, (laughs) set an alarm on your phone for 10 minutes, be completely undistracted, sit and breathe with your eyes closed and remind remind yourself, I am a soul, you are my master mind, I will not let these voices run my life. I, the soul, will run my life. That requires practice and patience. Now, don't quit your day job. It's important, (laughs) right, that we, I am not suggesting you sit in the middle of the room somewhere like an, you know, like, you know, cross-legged, affirming that abundance falls from the sky and not do anything. That's just stupid. Um, So you want (laughs) to keep your practice going and, you know, do the, the basic things you need to do to build your practice. But make the practice of presence a daily practice, minimum of 10 minutes. I love apps like Calm and Insight Timer. Um, but ultimately, you want to be able to be quiet with yourself. And when your mind says, oh, I think I forgot to shut the stove off. We should go check. Or, oh, damn, I forgot to respond to that email and I've got to get back to that person. Or, I think I have to go to the bathroom. Like, whatever your mind says, you literally say to yourself, no, 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 no. You're my servant. We're not, we're not getting up until the alarm goes off, period. And you make yourself stay there. And I promise you, I promise you, you will see amazing things happen in your life as a result of doing that. You know, my friend Joe Dispenza says this all the time. I, he's the first time I heard somebody say, 
you know, when your butt's in that chair, you tell that, that crazy mind, that ego, we're not going anywhere. Like we're <laughs> staying right here. And, um, and I, you know, I've spent time with Joe and he's one of the, the funnest, most successful, you know, hysterical people I know. And his business is doing pretty well, Alex. And this has been, you know, this has been a priority for him for a very long time. It took a very serious bike accident for him to get the message early on. And he's, you know, fortunate that he did. So sorry, that's a very long winded answer, but I, can you tell I have some energy around this? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that was very helpful. I, I often use um, books. So I'll, I'll sometimes I'll use uh, the course in miracles or uh, mm-hmm. um, return to love as a way to, for some reason, just even if I read five pages in either one of those books, yep. it settles that that anxiety, the worry, the the ego will settle right down. And I would add to that just ten minutes a day. Yeah, because you know, for most of us, we are not good company for ourselves. We're anxious making making company. We're frightful. You know, we we scare ourselves with our thoughts, and we've got part of building a relationship with yourself is learning to be in the presence of yourself, making sure that your soul is running the show, making sure the adult you is running the show. You know, Louise Hay said to me many years ago, sweetheart, you will be with you longer than anyone else on the planet. Why not make it a good relationship? Which I love that. So simple and so true. So we've got to be able to be with ourselves um, in the silence, reminding ourselves over and over again, I'm the soul and I'm, I've got my own back, essentially, is what you're saying. So good. Let's let's talk a little bit more about self-care. I know that you've got a retreat coming up in April, Self-Care by the Sea, yes. in York, Maine. What a beautiful mm-hmm. place to be. Um, <laughs> what's the, if you could say something to several thousand coaches, what would you have us take on or know about self-care beyond what you've already pointed to? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, your self-care is a primary part of your training as a good coach, um, first and foremost. Uh, I'm very grateful that when I first started training back in the early 90s with Thomas, and there were about probably 10 or 12 of us training at the time together, um, and we were usually on the phone with each other once a week supporting each other. And I remember I, I had to make my extreme self-care the, the priority of my first year of training and boy, Alex, did I have those voices, you know, so-and-so is getting ahead of me. So-and-so made so much money and I'm just like making a little bit of money and the self-care stuff is ridiculous. Like, you know, it's, I'm wasting my time. I'm not building my business as aggressively as I could. And, um, and Thomas really held my feet to the fire and boy, was he right. And so making your own self-care. So what does that mean? It means if we go back to you know, there's a test in Take Time for Your Life that I created based on Coach Yu's early version of the clean sweep test. And basically, it means looking at the state of your environment, right, where you live and where you work. Is it neat, organized, beautiful, the state of your body? How's your health? And what are you doing to improve it? The state of your finances, really important, really important, because we don't have choices if we're not taking good care of our money. And I am so grateful. Like I thank Thomas all the time for the fact that he really pushed this whole notion of taking good care of your finances, because now, you know, here I am later in life and I essentially coach for free. And I'm grateful to be able to say, you know, I'm grateful to be able to choose who I work with and to be able to say to them when they say, well, what's this going to cost me? It's not going to cost you anything. You know, I'm, I'm doing this because I love doing it. And, you know, if it's the right fit, it's going to bring me happiness. And I've taken care of myself in such a way that I'm able to do that. And I would want that for everybody to be able to reach a point in your life where you stop doing things for money. You do them because you really love them. But you can't do that if you don't take care of your financial health. I, I emphasize that a lot to coaches because I, when I'm teaching, I see way too many people who have not taken care of their financial health and they're in their fifties or sixties with very little retirement. Um, and, you know, that's a scary place to be. So that's why when I, so I do these retreats twice a year in this beautiful seaside inn, and 
I decided this year, Christopher, this is part of my own evolution, by the way. Mm. I had been doing self-care by the sea and people had been coming. We've been dealing with all different aspects of their lives and where the, you know, where were the boundaries they needed to set, the places where they needed to own their voice and you know, whatever the challenges might be. And this time I decided, you know, I really want to move to, I, I love business. I started out as a business coach and I have a financial background and I made a decision that for me, what was interesting to me right now was helping people to take charge of their lives by taking whatever work they were doing, whether they were a coach or an artist or, a, you know, they developed a product, whatever it might be, but bringing them into a setting where 50 of us will get together and really look at how do you take care of yourself and make money and take good care of that money doing something that you really love. And, um, and the only requirement was that people had to come with an existing passion. It's not about coming to find what it is you want to do. You've got to know what it is. You, you need to either already be doing it or know what it is so that we can look at the influence of self-care. And for a coach, it means taking a look at all of these different areas and investing in those areas very specifically as part of your training um, because that's what's going to really serve your clients. And you're going, to, you're going to coach them from a different place as you get these things handled. Like Alex, I promise you, as you are experiencing what it's like to be vegan for the year, that's a huge commitment for the year, by the mm -hmm. way, um, your, your um, experiences in coaching clients related to health will change because of that. Not that you're going to try and convert people into becoming vegans, but you will naturally become more aware of how food choices influence your body, your mood, your health, your energy, and that will play a role in how you coach. Can you see how that could happen? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it actually, the thing that somebody told me that I was like, didn't believe was even the intuitiveness of <laughs> shifting the... I was putting so many things that had chemicals or toxins or even fear, right? The animals being killed, not they're not happy and smiling mm -hmm. when it's happening. And that goes right into their their bodies, their meat. And I don't I, none of this has been about advocating any sort of lifestyle. It's been an experiment for me. And yes. um but yeah, what I've noticed besides the 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 health and the feelings is every single day I'm learning a new lesson about me mm -hmm. be, simply because of this silly experiment. Okay, it's not uh, a silly experiment. Please don't minimize that. It's a very powerful experiment. And, thank you. Um, and I really honor you for that, you know, for deciding that you wanted to try something. First of all, you wanted to make a commitment. You wanted to hold yourself accountable. I mean, think about what you're learning as a coach just with that. And that's the other thing. When people, you know, I meet so many people who are coaching or who want to be coaches and they say, well, what do, what do you think I should do to be a successful coach? Well, first of all, make sure you have your own coach. Mm -hmm. You know, have the experience of being a client and how that can dramatically change the quality of your life. And so you're having that experience through this lens of food and choosing to, to eat, you know, as a vegan. And so that's a big deal. And Keeping commitment. I mean, think of all of the different things that you're learning, how to follow through on something. There's a big life skill a lot of people could use to learn, right? How to make a commitment and actually follow through on it. How to reach out for help when you get stuck. How to meet the parts of you that fail when you make that commitment and host failure in a way that helps you to love yourself more and not to beat yourself up. There's so many opportunities just in that one channel alone. And I think as coaches, if we focus, if we just pick one area. So I always like to say, if you're a coach listening and you're wondering, where do I really need to practice self-care? Well, first thing you can, you can make it easy or you can make it challenging, make it easy and just, you know, pick something, nothing wrong with that. Okay. I'll, I need more time to myself. So let me look at my calendar and see where I can kind of eliminate some things. Let me make it a little more challenging. What's the one area of my life that I know I need to get a handle on that I keep avoiding and then find somebody to support you and take that on. So, oh, you know what? I have a lot of credit card debt and um, I keep using my credit cards even though I can't afford to pay them off and I don't have any money saved and I'm scared out of my mind about finances. So I just kind of keep pushing it aside and I don't really wanna deal with it. That's the thing I'm gonna take on. And when you take on 
something like that, your whole life changes. Your whole life changes. Um, it, it affects every single area of your life. So the beauty is you could take on your finances, and I promise you the discipline you learn, the strength you learn, the, the joy you feel and feeling freed up from the scary thoughts or the beating yourself up is going to just spill over into every other area of your life. And it's going to be harder to allow people into your life who constantly drain your energy or like, you know, go on with this cocktail level stuff that just, you know, is so boring, or it's going to be hard to, to, you know, put up with, it's going to be hard to put up with stuff as you raise your standards in life. So powerful. Everything that you say is just writing it down over and over like, yes, this is so important. I want to, um, I want to, I would be remiss and I would regret if I didn't ask you a few things. Many of the people yeah. you came up with back in the day of Oprah Winfrey show and that sort of thing, you know, mm -hmm. you were, I believe, friends and colleagues with people like Marianne Williamson, Thomas Leonard, um, Laura Berman Fortgang. A lot of people have come and sort of gone on to different things. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that, you know, when you see something like Marianne Williamson running for president, is there anything that you want to mm -hmm. say about? that or your sort of class, if you will, of, of, you know, early coaches and life-changing spiritual leadership? Well, you know, uh, so when I think about the 10 people or so that, that I trained with early on, like Laura Berman Forking and Jay Perry and Shirley Anderson and Thomas Leonard and Madeline mm -hmm. Homan, who's, yeah. you know, done wonderful work with Ken Blanchard's company and you know, obviously married his son as well. And, um, and I, I know that I'm going to, I can see people and I can't, right, I can't I remember you. their names. I hate that. But, um, and Marianne, I mean, you know, listen, Marianne was my inspiration for speaking when I was in my late twenties. Mm. I, she came to an organization in Boston at the time called Interface, which was kind of like the East coast Esalen at the time. And I was volunteering there and she came to speak and I sat in the back of the room like just struck, like speechless, dumbstruck by this woman who spoke as if she was reading the most well-crafted speech <laughs> right. right off the top of her head. Incredible, true. It's really, I mean, she's an incredibly gifted, passionate speaker. And she would come to Interface and I would always go to hear her speak and I would just be blown away by what she did. And I'd listen to her audio cassettes that she used to produce out mm -hmm. of California, you know, when she, I think was in LA and and so um, I have been, you know, when she decided to run, Marianne has always been interested in politics. We're not friends. I don't speak with her a lot. I certainly know her and we've been at conferences together and we've had lunch together, but I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, personally close to her. Um, I'm actually just an admirer of her from afar. And when she decided to run for president, I thought, you go girl. She's always been passionate about politics. She's been passionate about humanity. She cares deeply about um, about issues, and she's smart as hell. Like, you know, when it comes to politics, there are very few people that just are as smart as she is from a humanitarian standpoint, especially. And so, when I um, when I you know I would tune in and watch her interviews and watch her do you know watch her grow evolve through that process, and um, was really uh, very very. Um, just I continue to be dumbstruck, you know, in the face of very difficult challenges. She just, she's one smart cookie and she's tough. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I haven't, you know, when I was in New Orleans that time when I, when you were there, Christopher, um, I had dinner with Jay Perry. I hadn't seen him in years. It was nice to just reconnect every now and then Shirley Anderson and I um, email um, Yoda coach. <laughs> I always <laughs> think of her and, and, you know, I, I think of Thomas several times a week, you know, so many times. As a matter of fact, I have, I found, I have a stack of three by five index cards that um, I kept when I was training as a coach. When wow. some piece of wisdom came out of Thomas's mouth, I wrote it down. And I found a stack of index cards, um, you know, from 25, 30 years ago. And I keep them in my office and every now and then I just thumb through them and um, feel deeply grateful. You know, Thomas drove me crazy. Let me just say that, you know, he was, he was not an easy person to be in relationship with and I adored him. And um, 
we had a very special connection and uh, I learned a tremendous amount from him that, that I till this day use. Till this day, I'll hear his words come out of my mouth. Probably one of the most powerful things, one of, when I was cleaning out my office, I got rid of all, you know, I just threw away all of my coach training stuff. You know, I, I was done. I was, this yeah. was a few years ago. Um, and I had one email that I kept and it was an email Thomas wrote much towards the end of our relationship with one another about the future of coaching will be, um, we will be energy coaching. We won't even have to speak a word. Our energy will do the coaching itself. Now, if you remember when I was in New Orleans and I had that experience with Pat Williams, when he shared about his wife, I felt that energy mm. that Thomas was talking about, which is why I got down off the stage, if you remember, mm -hmm. and went down and sat across from him. Yeah. And I knew I, all I needed to do was just sit eye to eye and be present with this man who was in deep pain and that I, words would have interrupted the coaching, <laughs> essentially. I needed to just be present with him. And I, I remember walking back away from that thinking, this is exactly what Thomas was talking about. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's been extraordinary to be with you and our time is flying by. Is there something that you wanna talk about or wanna reference, so maybe share from your own development at this point in your life and work? Well, I think, you know, when I think about speaking to coaches, I just can't stress enough the importance of our own um, doing our own work on a practical level, the self-care topics that I spoke about, you know, clutter, eliminating stuff and finances and health and all of that, you know, really doing, doing the, there's a what's draining you, what's fueling you test and take time for your life. You can really just use it as a measuring tool. There's that practical piece. And then there's the more spiritual piece. And when I say spiritual, I'm talking about really nurturing and cultivating a relationship with the essence of who you are. And um, that goes back to, Alex, what I suggested to you, the daily practice of 10 minutes of silence as a way to begin. Um, over time, when you really get comfortable with that, you'll find yourself wanting to do it more and for longer periods of time. Um, I think it's also really important, Christopher, that um, if you want to be a truly successful coach, I think you need to have been in therapy and and maybe in therapy. I've been in and out of therapy since I was 19 years old. Mm. Some of the best investment I've ever made, um, really good family systems, internal family systems therapy, family of origin therapy, um, very well versed in the recovery movement because I came from uh, history of alcoholism in my family. Um, uh, you know, um, EMDR tapping therapies, which are not, you, you know, EMDR is really good for trauma. Tapping is really good for trauma, but also just, you know, just basic good family of origin. We are all wounded in some way, shape or form. And I think the most distressing things I hear when I'm out in public um, are from people who have been coached by somebody and had a really bad experience mm -hmm. and, um, you know, were shamed because they wanted to leave or were bullied into staying or spending lots of money, which just makes me nuts. Um, and nine times out of 10, when I hear that, it's very clear to me that that coach needed to be in therapy. Right. And um, I think that you will learn so much about humanity. I mean, what made me, what has given me the success that I've experienced without a doubt has been my insatiable curiosity about what makes me tick and what makes other human beings tick. And, um, and that means understanding ourselves on a physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, psychological level. And so you can't separate your emotional health from your physical health or your practical success in the world. And um, I have sent more people, more clients to therapy. I probably sent more men to therapy than any coach on the planet <laughs> well, <laughs> because although in my 20s i knew another woman who sent a lot of men to therapy different deal though different deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know i mean i just think that um in, in good therapy by the way you know in stand up for your life one of my other books i talk about 
you know, how to find a good therapist and the importance of asking not only about education and experience, but are you in therapy? And, you know, here's what I'm dealing with. Have you worked with people like me? And if so, how have you worked with them? Like, you've got to have really nine times out of 10, when people tell me, yeah, I tried therapy and it didn't work. It's because they didn't have the right therapist. Therapy isn't broken. It's the relationship (laughs) didn't work. And so today we have, you know, psychology today with the um, find a therapist section on their site, which is awesome. And um, personal referrals is a good way to start. But I think that really investing in your own growth and evolution is key to your client success. And Thomas said to me, very early on. And Alex, I want you to remember this. He said, Cheryl, your key, the most powerful marketing tool you'll ever have is coaching your clients really, really well. Mm -hmm. When you coach your clients well, you'll never have to worry about building your practice. And he was right. He was absolutely right. So that means picking your clients well, which is why if you're a new coach, you know, you should have a day job so that you don't ever need your clients because this is a relationship. It's a sacred relationship. And if you need the client, you can't be objective. You can't tell the truth, which is the number one reason the clients are hiring you to create a safe place for truth, both from them and you. So um, you keep your day job and you build your practice on the side and you invest money in your own growth so that um, you coach your clients really, really well. And they refer other people to you or you just you have an energy of attraction around you that really does draw the right people to you the more you become the right person so beautiful hey can i play a game with you this is totally just for me just for fun (laughs) okay i think so yeah well let me let me know you know i'm sure your security guards will rush in here if it's not okay (laughs) i don't um, think so no 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 uh i would love because you've got such a such a rich and compelling body of work of everything that you've done i'd love to just mention uh, one of your books or, or pieces of work and mm-hmm. have you speak, just give us a sentence from right now, mm-hmm. sort of off yeah. the top of your head, what you think of that, what the message is, what you remember about it, any, any little sort of word association thing. Are you okay. willing? That's fun. Okay. okay. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, <laughs> grace cards. No, he's like, Oh, hold on. Like, what did she write? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got it. Grace Grace cards. cards. Oh, gosh. Um, The joy of putting beautiful images to words. Mm. Uh, Life makeovers. Life makeovers. Um, Challenging my fear that if it was already published online, people wouldn't want to read it. Mm. Um, Because that that book is, you know, I was really a pioneer early on in writing a weekly blog when five people were reading my blogs. Mm. And um, that's a compilation of 52 weeks of blogs, and I had to overcome my fear that, oh, I already published it. Nobody would want to read it. And that book's probably sold 400,000 copies. Amazing. Waking up in winter. Scary as hell because it was vulnerable, and I wrote about questioning everything and, you know, my work, my marriage, um, and and writing that I'm really, really proud of. Mm. Uh, work with Louise Hay. You can create an exceptional life. Mm. Like Tuesdays with Maury, but she wasn't dying. And um, <laughs> and fun. She's a, she was a riot and, um, and, and such a blessing. You know, here was a woman I looked up to for years and suddenly we were traveling the world together and um, I got to capture her wisdom, her very simple and powerful wisdom um, in my body and in a book. Mm. Unmistakable touch of grace. We are never alone. And that when we're brave enough to truly connect, make, make a relationship with our soul a priority, the most extraordinary things will happen. And that book is evidence of it. Not only from in my life, but in the lives of people that I've worked with as well. Mm, this is fun. It is fun. <laughs> Art of extreme self-care. Um... Teaching myself a lesson. When I first set out to write that book, my husband was really sick. We were building our dream home. I was traveling and I had a book deadline. And my best friend at the time said to me, you are out of integrity writing about extreme self-care when your life is in such a state of disrepair. Stop it. And I did. And I waited a year before I even started writing that book. And, And I taught myself a lot of lessons 
And um, those lessons went into that book. And it, I just published a revised and updated edition. And honestly, Christopher, when I read reread that book, I needed to read so much of what I read again and was really proud of the fact that it's a very practical guide to taking better care of yourself. How great would that be to reread your, uh, I'm asking Alex, to reread your own book because you need it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's it. true. It's uh, true, man. Stand up for your life. Stand up for your life. Um, a very important book, especially for younger people, I find. Um, that book, I want to say like underrated, like it, it, you know, it came out after the two big blockbuster bestsellers, Take Time and Life Makeovers, and it got lost a little bit and it shouldn't have because that book is, um, it's really about developing courage and confidence and character. And, um, I'm happy to say that I, I get emails from people in their twenties and early thirties who are really impacted by that. And I'm, I'm really glad about that. Beautiful. Uh, last one, and I'm going to make this our last word together so we can keep you out on time. Uh, mm -hmm. take time for your life. Who doesn't need that? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the gift, the gift that started it all. It's like my first baby. And, um, when I think of that book, I think I can still remember Oprah Winfrey saying when she had the paperback version with the crappy cover, hey, everybody, pick up this book and buy this book, rip off the cover, <laughs> but buy this book and feeling so grateful in the front row because I hated the cover, but I wasn't a big enough writer to be listened to. And she changed that that day. Beautiful. <laughs> Cheryl, you've done so much for us individually for so much for so many individual humans you've done so much for us as a as a industry uh, coaches are better because of you i want to thank you so much for all of your work and thank you for being with us today thank you christopher and thank you alex really it's been a wonderful conversation you know i'm just it's not been cocktail level i'll tell you that my friends it's been really great and i appreciate you inviting me here thank you so much thanks for the personal like the personal touches throughout the whole conversation yeah, you're welcome. Yes. All right. Go and thank you and be and know that we are grateful. Yeah. Well, that's another edition of The Coaching Show, my dear listener. Thank you so much for being with us. We will be back with you next week as every week with people out on the cutting edge of coaching, pioneers in coaching, and extraordinary life-changing humans like Cheryl Richardson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.